Welcome to part two of my conversation with Lou Frederick, uh, Crush Podcast. So I need to go back to something that I think Lou is uniquely qualified to talk about and something that's been on my mind almost every day uh, since about the second presidential debate. And that is, is Donald Trump racist? And if he is, how should we feel about that? More specifically, what does it mean if you vote for him? What does it mean if I know people who are voting for him? Does that make them racist? Uh, I veered from the path of this podcast's mission of discussing higher education in this one instance because the opportunity presented itself and, in my mind, uh, placed it into its own sort of part two. And so I called Lou back to ask him some of these questions. uh, And uh, here's our conversation. Hello again. What are you doing right now? Actually, I was just watching the Seattle game. Oh, really? Uh, how's it going? Well, they're ahead fourteen to six, but uh, they Wilson threw a, an interception Ugh. the first time in what two hundred two hundred throws, and uh, so anyway, uh, they're doing a couple other things on the computer. So go ahead. I wanted to uh, ask in particular. I've been sort of struggling with this issue. I mean, every single day that I turn on the news and I start thinking about this election, the one thing that sort of gripped me mainly after listening to the the uh, the second debate when, you know, he after he had Donald Trump had rescinded his stance on the on, on the degree to which President Obama was actually born in this country. And it just sort of struck right. me as, you know, the, the 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 response that he had. You know, in in particular, mentioning that he was not interested in, you know, apologizing to people who knew all along that this was false and that he'd continued to perpetuate a lie, that it just struck me as a very racist thing to say. I'm sorry, I'm just going to follow up, and I will let you respond to that because there's a lot there, but we're talking about racial healing in this segment. What do you say to Americans? Well, it was very, I say nothing. I say nothing because I was able to get him to produce it. He should have produced it a long time before. I say nothing. But let me just tell you, when you talk about healing, I think that I've developed very, very good relationships over the last little while with the African-American community. I think you can see that. And I feel that they really wanted me to come to that conclusion. And I think I did a great job and a great service, not only for the country, but even for the president in getting him to produce his person. Secretary Clinton. I, I have nothing to say to them is essentially what he said. You know, and, it, and it, I have been taking solace for a very long time in the fact that this guy's not going to get elected. And so therefore, that's that's good enough for me. But there are a lot of people that are going to support this guy. And it seems to me that, you know, I mean, people have a lot of different reasons for, you know, why they do or don't support candidates. And nobody ever likes 100 percent of a candidate that's running for office. Right. You know, you, you, right. you get you get the warts and all right with your candidates. And a lot of the time, though, that's policy based. You know, you're like, well, I, I like their tax policy, but I don't know that I like their you know national defense policy. It seems different now, though when it comes to Donald Trump, that uh, he's really started to talk about things in a presidential campaign that that bleed outside the realm of sort of standard political discussion of policy into, you know, racial racial and, and gender politics. And, and in a way that, that I find harmful and that I think a lot of people find harmful. And for me, the, the load-bearing thing here for me, because I'm married to a woman who is descended from slaves and I've got a child who 
carries those genes as well that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you endorse this guy, you also endorse the fact that as I believe it, uh, he tends towards a record of, let's just call it white supremacy. <laughs> and, and I, and mm-hmm. it seems very difficult for me to disaggregate that from the rest, that there are people who really support one, you know, all these other things about the guy, but maybe they're willing to kind of overlook that part, even if they, if they agree that he even is racist. And that's sort of the stickiest part for me that I wonder what you'd have, if you'd comment on whether, you know, to, to what extent do you personally think that Donald Trump might be a racist? And when does it cross the line or where is the line between, oh, that's just sort of liberal political correctness, touchiness versus, no, this is actually what's happening. The funny sort of response that I would have to that is um, is the thing that Gary Trudeau put out. He was talking about uh, Trump as well. And, uh, and he said, you know, he wasn't an ornithologist, but he could tell a duck when he saw one. There's no absolutely no question. I mean, Trump and his father were um, were fought, were had, had a lawsuit about them regarding racist practices um, way back when. Um, I have not seen any indication so far, certainly in this in this campaign, that indicates that, that there's that uh, he is not that. Uh, I know that people would love to to not say that. Don't don't say that kind of thing. That's uh, but I haven't seen any, anything that indicates to me that, I, that I, either he is not, or certainly his followers, certainly the, the folks that he's managed to have a dog whistle about, have been pushing this whole racist approach for some time. So, uh, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing to me uh, that anyone would, could say that he was not uh, at this particular point. I mean, yes, well, yesterday, that uh, the day before that he... He saw this guy who wanted to hand him a note and called him, basically called him a thug and had him taken out of the, out of the, uh, the thing. And the guy was a, a Trump supporter, black Trump supporter. That's all right. Leave him alone. That's all right. You know the great thing about that? We have a protester. By the way, were you paid $1,500 to be a thug? Where's the protester? Where is he? Was he paid? Uh, you can get him out. Get him out. Out. Trump alarm signs all over his yard and everything else, but he was kicked out. Not. It wasn't because he was uh, he had any particular ideas or philosophy. It was he had black skin and he was kicked out of the, out of the rally there. So, you know, I mean, uh, the, the excuses that that they've now tried that people have tried to come up with regarding him, regarding racist attitudes, are are just uh, have, have been shown to be just completely uh, inaccurate. Uh, they, they, it, it doesn't they don't hold water. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I have no problem saying yeah, he's a racist. As I as I've sat here and kind of wrestled with this, with this issue and knowing people who are supporters of of Trump, you know, it, it seems to me that there there are sort of three things that are possible. You know, that they're thinking, well, he's he's absolutely not a racist, and you're wrong, and I'm supporting him, and he's not a racist because you're just being sort of politically correct. You know, number two is is I'm 
that that he is a racist and I'm totally okay with that. And number three is he he is a racist, but I'm I'm going to sort of sidestep that in order of in order to sort of support the other things that he's that that I do like about him. That the, that's the that's the third one that that will for people who will come out and say anything. I'll say, yeah, you know, he has some things that I'm concerned about, but I'm not gonna, I can't, I'm, I'm not that concerned. About, uh, I, I'll have to. I like all the other things that he's saying. Well, okay, I, you know, you can do that. Um, that's fine. I'm not, you know, uh, the, the the difference is this: what what they what they're they're concerned about. What many of the folks are concerned about is that they're going to be called a racist themselves. Uh, and they don't they don't like that idea that that somehow they're going to be called racist. So it's a terrible thing racist, to be called. Right, exactly. So they're they're trying desperately to say, well, I'm not a racist. I, I'm not racist. Uh, yeah, he has said some racist things, and his followers have done some racist things. But I'm not a racist, so don't please don't call me that. Well, okay, I'm not going to call you a racist. I haven't I haven't dealt with any of the things that you you've said or done at this particular point. I will, however, call him that. Because I've seen what he has suggested, I've seen the dog whistles. I've dealt with those things in most of my life, so um, I can I can point those things out and say yes, that's racist. So as and, a, as a uh, yeah, and, and as a student of of uh, and participant in civil rights throughout your life, you know what are these? What are the parallels that you see? I mean, I I, I remember being you know I mean as a kid, as my earliest memories at Vernon Elementary School, learning about Martin Luther King. I mean, we've all been raised to 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 have an awareness around these things and yet we seem to be ignoring or forgetting it so what are what are the historical parallels you know from your perspective that that we ought not forget well i think well, you know i have a particular historical parallel you know it's one of those things where there was a, a fellow who was definitely a racist and he he actually um, uh, prided himself on that and that was uh uh less dramatic and uh, and Lester Maddox was a governor of Georgia. Uh, he did a few things to, to sort of despite that 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 really made a difference. But um, but he was you know he prided himself on calling himself just that. Uh, and then there were people who said, well you know yeah he might be a little bit, but we can we can deal with that. Well you know maybe you can, but the the, the fact is uh, that that's one parallel that I would draw. You you've got to look at what people are saying, what they're doing. And if what what they're saying and doing is is, is racist, then you need to call them out on that. Um, you know, it's uh, it. There are folks who would love to just um, uh, avoid that particular conversation they, because they can't imagine that they would be doing or saying those kinds of things. And, and they and they'll use lines from from uh, Dr. King uh, because that that they think um, gives them immunity from uh, from being actually racist. And uh, so, you know, they, they they try to find some way to, to not be connected with what was what's clearly a racist attitude. But we we've now seen what happens with some with the dog whistles that um, that Trump has put out there. The people who are who are out there saying all sorts of things. I mean, amazing sort of comments. And uh, and and they're they're out there very clear about being racist as much as possible. So and, and he hasn't condemned them. And that's the other part of this whole situation with him. He has not said, uh, no, I don't want to be associated with that, those kinds of comments. He's allowed them and encouraged them uh, regularly uh, in rally after rally, in, in, on, on, on television, etc. 
I mean, there are people who are, who are on television get upset about um, a couple of pundits. So you can't call them, call them a racist. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. And, and I think it's very appropriate to do just that, to call them a racist and then call them out on that. So this is the kind of stuff that, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to hear a lot of people very concerned about it. And, and in, the, in the future, we're going to hear some folks who are going to be very upset that someone that, that although that, that they, because they supported him, they were, they're going to feel as though they were connected with being racist. Well, you know, I understand that they're concerned about that, but the fact is he's saying racist things. What isn't, what, what isn't being said that's racist by him? Uh, and, you know, the, 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 some of the comments about blacks are all, all, everything in the black community is terrible. Well, no, it's not. And, uh, and, you know, everybody lives in the ghetto. And I mean, all of those kinds of things, you've got to find some way to, to really speak to those and say, this is, this is not okay. So how would you, you know, were you to have a conversation with somebody where, you know, you, you, you wanted to talk to them and say, this is really meaningful to me. Like, I'm just, this is going to be impactful, uh, you know, to me if, if you, if you vote for Trump, because it's, you know, if you vote for him, you're going to endorse uh, racism and you're going to endorse a lot of, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're going to endorse a white supremacist agenda. And it's, it's, I'm considering having conversations with people like this that I know, and I'm really scared to do it. I would be concerned about it too. Gavin. I understand why you'd be concerned about it. It is, uh, the fact is you're going to have those conversations. You know, I, uh, I interestingly enough, generally those conversations don't come up to me because, they, they they sort of know where I'm feeling about how I'm feeling about this. They don't even want to begin the conversation. But I have I have uh, high school classmates. Remember, I desegregated my high school, so I have high school classmates who changed a little bit, but are now putting posting all sorts of things online. I have other colleagues, uh, elected elected officials, and some who were elected are no longer elected officials who I watch and listen to see what they're saying. And they, of course, are so upset that anyone would call anything racist. Now, they don't see any problem with the comments that he's making because they don't consider that those particular views are racist. Well, okay, you can, you can not consider those particular views racist, but in fact, they are, they are racist as far as I'm concerned. So um, you, you, you want to avoid that, fine, uh, but I'm going to disagree with you, and we're going to have it, we're going to have to, struggle with the fact that I think that what you said is a racist comment uh, and and you, you you don't you just don't want to accept that that I might be possibly right about that okay you want to you want to try to try to go with that we will we will disagree but I'll tell you that uh, the other aspect is when your when that particular ap- approach ends up affecting my life and my family and as your and your family in a way that is clearly based around the race of someone, um, then it, it is, it is a racist comment. It is a racist approach and you cannot, you cannot avoid that particular description. Um, and you know, you're going to have, I'm sure you're going to have relatives and, and friends, uh, who will say, Oh no, I, I'm not racist. And that, and he wasn't racist when he said that. Well, yeah, he was. Those comments were, have a clear thing. You know, you don't get to decide you don't get to decide sometimes on who you've offended uh, with with some things. Uh, you, the person who 
who is a who, who is offended gets to actually say, you know, that was offend that was offensive. To this is the hardest. Uh, this is Arabia. often the hardest thing, right? Is it there? You know, how do you? I mean, I, I could point to a lot of objective measurements of, of the, the, the degree to which we live in a racist society. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, comments and you call them dog whistles because, you know, they, they are comments that are made at a certain frequency that is indirect. And that, you know, it, it's pretty much the only way I think some people would come around to agree that this guy is racist is to hear him use the N-word outright. Um, and, and that even though I think, Hey, look at the fact that he's polling at 0% among African-Americans, that's a pretty good measurement of the degree to which there's dis there's racial discomfort with this candidate. Um, but the, the, but that that's a highly subjective determination for some people and it's, and it's impossible for, for them to, to wrap their head around it. Well, it is, but you, you know, as you said, polling is almost 0%. Uh, and, and it's not because. Uh, and if you if you have the if the the answer is well um, the media has done something wrong well, no you know here here's a racist part of that you are assuming that black people are too dumb to understand this that's a, a patronizing attitude now I think it I think it's appropriate you mean in that, that they've been somebody, you mean in that they could be manipulated by the media to understand a certain right thing. you're so manip you're so easily manipulated. Uh, Latinos are so easily manipulated. Women are so easily manipulated um, that that they that they can't think for themselves. They can't make up their own mind. Right. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, that makes no sense at all. But that that comment by itself is a uh, a patronizing and racist approach. Uh, you are you know you are you are that's that's part of the the comment. Well, so you're basically saying, oh, I. These people are too stupid. Now, I got to say, to, to some extent, you also have to uh, go the other direction. You have you have some folks who are generally liberal uh, and urban liberal, and saying, "Well, those those folks up in the app, you know, the, the up in the hills, the hillside, the, the country people are too stupid to understand what's going on." Well, they aren't too stupid. They may disagree completely, but if, when it comes to to comments that are racist. The folks who are dealing with racism on a regular basis really do have a better um, handle on what that means than someone who isn't. If if you are not dealing with, if you're from someplace in, uh, that that has primarily a white population, and you're and 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 you you start making comments like I I had to deal with once um, where where somebody thought that it was that they thought that it was really funny for them to start making comments about Amos and Andy. Uh, and they thought that that was that that wasn't a problem for them, and I had to say to them, you know, that's probably not a good idea for you to be talking about that. <laughs> and they went, well, why? Are you saying that that's racist? I said, yeah, well, actually, I am. Um, you, you, ha- I mean, this was somebody who was from outside of, of Portland, outside. I mean, they lived, they had all lived all their lives in a in a pretty much uh, completely uh, white population yeah. with attitudes that they didn't even acknowledge were even possible problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to say that kind of thing to them. And I've had to say that to a couple of my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had one colleague who told me that uh, he didn't see race. And I said, well, that's nice of you to be able to say that. But guess what? I end up having to deal with that and other folks do. And so you might want, you're basically dismissing my whole experience by saying you have, you, you, you don't see race. Uh, that's, that doesn't, that makes no sense at all to me. And it, and it's frankly, 
offensive that you would say, well, you know, everybody's treated so much the same. Uh, you don't need to worry about it. Well, no, everyone isn't. And, uh, and you, need, you do need to understand that that's, that's been a different experience for other communities and other people. Uh, so that's, that's part of what I have to, that's, that's part of how I, I deal with that. Last question. Are you concerned at all about the, uh, the post election landscape when it comes to race relations? Because I, everybody had, had such hope that we had crossed such a massive barrier in electing president Obama and another one here in, you know, potentially electing the first woman president, but uh, it seems that some really nasty stuff has been stirred up and uh, a lot of people are not ready to let go of that and move on. No, I, I think, I, I think that's, I think that's, you're absolutely correct. But yes, I am concerned. I am concerned about how, how we handle that, that particular issue. I mean, remember when, when, when the president was, was elected, we were suddenly in a post-racial society, which any black person I talked with laughed like crazy and mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, right. Give me a break." Um, so uh, that that was that that that's what you kept hearing, and uh, and so I'm concerned because you you have some folks who, especially as a result of this recent um, ruling by the on the whole Malheur refuge thing, uh, you now have some folks who are going to feel emboldened. You're talking about the uh, you're talking about the Bundy family and uh, yeah, and, and associates right. I mean, that took over a, um, a piece of federal land were arrested right. well, and have, recently acquitted in Oregon courts. Right, and they and and what what we have is we have folks who who before that um, before that that thing were believed that they were above the law because they are the ones who could write the law and they they didn't have to deal with things so they could threaten and intimidate people. Um, and have no no consequences whatsoever. Um, that's a concern that I have right now. That these folks, that there are a number of folks who believe that that's okay, and they'll be able to do that again, uh, and and not and not have to worry about anybody uh, checking them and saying no, we don't we don't do that in the United States. Uh, we don't do that in this country. We will not allow that in this country. And so there's some folks who are very much emboldened and think that they can get away with that. That is, that concerns me a great deal. Have you ever felt this way in the run-up to a presidential election? Oh, at times, little bits and pieces of it. I mean, when President when Reagan decided to announce his candidacy at Philadelphia, Mississippi, that was not just because he thought he thought he liked Mississippi. It was it was a, it was a dog whistle to talk about the uh, civil rights workers who were killed in Mississippi, and that and Philadelphia was a perfect perfect place to do that kind of thing. So, yeah, I was concerned back then. I've been concerned about some of the dog whistles over time uh, by a lot of different folks, but this is not a dog whistle. This is, this is a blatant um, trumpet um, saying we are going to try to be as, as, as difficult as possible, as, as racist as possible, and that's, that's the plan. So, I mean, uh, I, I'm concerned, very concerned about that. Mm. Well, let, let me let me put it another way. You know, one of the things that that that, that uh, perhaps is more of a symbolic situation than anything else are the folks who you have folks who want to tell you how how patriotic they are and and want to challenge your patriotism, and at the same time they will they will show and support folks um, showing the stars and bars, the Confederate battle flag. Well, the Confederate battle flag was a secessionist, anti-American. Um, uh, uh, situation that was a civil war, and it was based around slavery. 
So if you want to try to talk about how patriotic you are and you're doing that, I'm sorry, you lose me completely because there's nothing, nothing patriotic about that approach. Yeah, I've heard, it's a phrase that I've heard for the first time, sort of levied recently in in conversation about this stuff. That you know, and we've got political correctness on one hand, and then patriotic correctness on another. We are we are in a very difficult situation. I think we have some folks who who have a very um, limited understanding of what uh, what this country's been about and what where we want to go, and want to return to a, a time that was. Uh, may have been good for a couple of people and for certain groups, but it certainly wasn't for um, uh, what it certainly wasn't dealing with uh, other other folks. I, you know, the 50s were not a great time for my family, <laughs> nor were the 40s or the 30s or the, you know, the 20s and, and, and even the 60s. Yeah. You had to struggle with certain things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You know, I, you know it, if you want to try to return to certain there's certain aspects that might have been good. But overall, really, no, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And you want to be uh, this is this is a this is a struggle for me. Right. Well, let me let you get back to your to your Sunday, Lou. Thank you uh, for making the time again to address this one because sure. uh, you know we talked a while ago, and I just it just continued to be on my mind. Take care and take care of that little one. So the things Lou shared here aren't political differences. They aren't the ramblings of a liberal wingnut or knee jerk shill. This is a person who's lived these issues his whole life, who's worked his whole life to identify and change these matters. And he's calling Donald Trump racist. If you listen to this and you still don't think that the man is racist, when you've got someone like Lou explaining it clearly and calling it what it is, well, I I guess I'm still not sure where to go with that. Lou has nothing to gain by sharing these thoughts other than continuing the arc of progress that he himself represents when you consider that his great-grandfather was the property of another human being. So, to clarify, this isn't politics to me. I make this point because choosing to engage people in this debate has been met with criticism about the challenges in, quote, discussing politics with those you love and the divisions that it can create, and I understand that. But this isn't some academic policy difference I have with the guy. The fact that I have differences with Trump over his lack of ability to not only not tamp down the racist actions of his supporters, but seemingly encourage it, that he has no apologies about perpetuating the birther lie, which members of the African-American community find deeply racist, that he did not immediately and forcefully distance himself from Ku Klux Klansman David Duke, who now has traction as a candidate in Louisiana thanks to Trump, bringing many of his ideas into uh, the mainstream conversation, as Duke has said himself, uh, that he countersued black tenants suing him for housing discrimination, and so on and so on. This isn't a discrimination between left and right, between Republican and Democrat, between touchy liberal wimps who need trigger warnings and the unabashedly unpolitically correct. It's an issue of basic humanity. And it's time we all do a gut check here and get real. A vote for Donald Trump is a step backwards. It's not enough for me anymore to take solace in the fact that he's going to be soundly defeated. Uh, I hope, as I did for a long time. A whole lot of people will vote for him. And they're going to stay fired up long after the election. But just voting for him is, in my mind, itself a hostile act against people he's targeting. 
the entire Mexican population he painted as rapists, Muslims, women. You know the list goes on. If someone supports this guy, you support the whole guy. And that includes his racism. You can't separate that out. If you don't think he's racist, you're not paying attention to the subjects of his racism and the racism of his supporters. I'm talking about people like Lou. If you don't agree with Lou, you should care that Lou is deeply concerned and that my Puerto Rican wife is deeply concerned and that somewhere near 100% of African Americans are deeply concerned and concerned. Being concerned for others, especially if they are different from you, is what makes us better than animals. That we have a choice, that we can choose empathy. This doesn't mean to me that people who support him are racist. It means that there's a lack of empathy towards a community that sees his actions this way and are justifiably fearful. Not from some ideological and academic policy standpoint, but from a, holy shit, somebody might become the most powerful person in the world and wants to round up and deport people that look like me, whose supporters physically beat people who look like me. And he doesn't condemn it. He doesn't say, stop doing that. He encourages it. If somebody is telling you that something is offensive in a way that feels deeply disturbing, bad, violent, hurtful, we should wonder why, if you don't already understand why. We should be curious, and we should try to learn more. If we do, we gain empathy. And when we gain empathy, we get closer to one another and closer to having a shared human experience instead of one that's played like a piano by epic turds like Donald Trump. The more empathy we get, the less we are slaves to our anger and to our fear, the less manipulable we are, the more control we have over ourselves, the more control we have over our destiny as a country and as a species. Speaking of slaves, my wife is Puerto Rican. As I mentioned, she has a copy of the piece of paper on it with the name of her ancestor who was the property of another man. His name was Hervacio Solis, and he was a slave. My daughter carries these genes too. Being able to dismiss the disdain that Donald Trump displays for my family's history and tendency to want to reinvigorate the worst of our country's history towards non-whites. Is this the America that was great that he wants to make again? My grandmother's 93. And today I spoke to her about these issues for about 45 minutes. I cried several times uh, explaining my feelings to her. And you know what? She didn't initially agree with a lot of the things I had to say, but she listened. She engaged me in the conversation. She pushed back and asked questions. She said at the end that she felt like she had learned a lot, a lot about me and my situation, that she needed to continue to learn and to consider these things. And she even said that she thought she could do more to advance issues of racial understanding. She said to me at the end of the conversation after I explained to her that this was me standing up for what I believe in and it's rooted in real personal experiences I'm having that I don't have a choice but to bring this up and to do it loudly and forcefully in order to protect my family and to explain the situation of my family to others. She said to me, Davin, I'm on your side. And that's when I really just sort of burst into tears and needed to find a way to uh, politely hang up so that I could just sort of sit and cry in public. I I mean, if my 93-year-old grandmother can do this, if she can keep an open mind and have a conversation about this and consider new opinions and learn and grow as a result, I mean, I find a lot of hope in that. 
I should say that uh, I don't feel like I got some kind of win or anything here out of my conversation with my grandma. I'm not looking at a scoreboard. I'm looking at a ticking clock, the fleeting preciousness of this life, it being the only one that we have. I'm looking at my little three-year-old girl who's got my blood and her mommy's blood, and I'm thinking about the entire life that she has ahead of her. And I'm thinking life is too short to spend so much time hating when we all know how good love feels. Thanks for listening. Uh, I invite anyone who wants to engage me on these thoughts uh, and to have a conversation with me about it. The door is wide open all the time. Reach out anytime. I ain't mad. I'm just a little scared. And uh, I know that we can do this. 503-86-CRUSH to leave a voicemail, crushpod at gmail.com. Send me a tweet at crushpod. This is Anita Baker. Spread love, folks.